Thank you, Pastor Matt. That was another life. And that was one of the uh, funnest jobs I ever had. And um, I mean, to be able to watch sports and report on sports as a job and get paid, I mean, come on, right? And so the thing was, I was very time poor. And in the beginning, I didn't mind very much because uh, I was always at sporting events. I got to meet sports celebrities and interview them, and that was really, really cool. Um, and then kind of being known in the community was kind of neat as well. And so uh, I think, the, you know, it wasn't the, so much the community that knew me that, that really made me feel good. It was when my kids would see me on TV. And I'd come home, they're like, oh, Dad, we saw you, we watched you. And that, that, was, that, that was my highlight. Um, for, the, for that job, but anyway, but Pastor Matt, thank you for um, leading us into this. We are in a brand new series. Uh, how many enjoyed the Holy Spirit series we just came off of? How many learned something? How many were challenged in some areas? But how many of you can say you've actually grown when it comes to the Holy Spirit and having him be a part of your life? Yeah? And uh, I believe that's, um, God really wanted us to do that because uh, as we have said just week after week, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to walk with you. He's the one that's going to strengthen you. He's the one that's going to help you. He's the one that's going to empower you from here on out. And so as I try to tag on to uh, this week and this brand new series from the last series, you realize that God has a mission. And his mission is to bring his kingdom near. The Holy Spirit has a mission to help you and I complete God's mission. And so I, I remember hearing Pastor Billy last week when he was here. How many enjoyed that word by Pastor Billy last week? Wasn't that good? And so I can't remember if it was in our, in our training. We had a training uh, Saturday before the Sunday service last week. And he kept mentioning a symbiotic relationship. And that's where two living things live life. And by living life together, they benefit from each other. And it's almost like one can't do without the other. And when you think about the Great Commission and you think about what God wants to do in his mission, you know, I, can't, I think it was St. Francis who said, uh, he said, Without God, we cannot. Speaking of the, the, the mission, without God, we cannot, but without us, God will not. So God chooses to include us. Does he need us? I don't think so. God can do whatever he wants. He can accomplish whatever he wants. But he chooses to involve us. The apple of his eye, just, I mean, of all the creation, he chooses us to be on mission with him. And so... Um, I want to start off with our kind of our flagship verse for this series. It's going to be in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. The Holy Spirit being directly involved in our success in this directive that the very last thing that Jesus told us to do before he went up into heaven. It says this in verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart, speaking of the disciples, this is Jesus speaking, uh, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, say promise, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the, king to, to, uh, the kingdom 
to Israel. This was kind of a distraction. If you notice, this came out of nowhere because remember the disciples were always wanting, all of, all of Israel, were, they were wanting a, a political, military uh, leader to show up on the scene and flex and kind of take over, kick the Romans out and restore the way things are supposed to be. And so this was a distraction. They saw Jesus showed up. Everything had happened. He's now uh, died and resurrected. And now they're saying, Jesus, is this the time? And Jesus is saying, don't get distracted. And then he kind of gets back on point. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power. And here's what I want you guys to remember in verse 8. This is going to take us out for the next few weeks. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea in Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. Father, help us today as we dig into your word. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Let your word grow in us. Let your word help us, but help us to walk your word out and to understand today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, before we get into the meat of the message, I want to say something very clear in the very beginning in regards to that verse. And that's that when we are born again, we get the Holy Spirit. Everybody understand that? Matter of fact, you can't even come to God unless the Holy Spirit starts to tug on your heart. He's the one that calls you to him, but there's something different. What we're talking about here in the verse that we just read, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a whole another event. And so when we talk about uh, the, the church as we know it, the, the birth of the church, we're going to, you know, that's what that verse was. Uh, the birth of the church, as we talk about that, it's, it's the model and the template that we know uh, pretty much today. Although different churches have different expressions and they do things differently, for the most part, the early church back then is what we have now. We kind of uh, emulate. And so there's uh, certain rhythms, you know, we, you know, you, you receive Jesus, so there's conversion. Uh, after that, you start going to church, right? What else do you do? You start reading your Bible, right? That's kind of a healthy, you know, Christian rhythm. Uh, you start to pray, you learn how to pray, okay? You start to get into a life group, right? You do life together and do all these rhythms that you do as a Christian, but there's something that Jesus said, do not even start do not even go until you get this. And this is something totally different. And so before we start, I want to make that very clear and encourage you that this is something. And, and I'll just say this, and then I'm, I'm going to skip everything else and go right to my message. That the one thing that, the two things that revolutionized my Christian walk, number one was discipleship. Number two was baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's something about that, this verse that says that um, you will, power will come upon you. You will, be, you will have power to be a witness. It's very clear that the Holy Spirit comes and he brings power. And I tell you what, nothing has changed my Christian walk until after that moment. And, you know, in this church, I, I, I know this church and I know people and I can look around. I know who is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know the ones who were on mission, and the ones who are going for it. And, and if I can just say it, it's the ones who have received this baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's like once you do that, there is no turning back. Because when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, how many know it takes humility to receive a gift? 
You ever, somebody try to take you to lunch, and like, hey, let me prefer you. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You ever experience that? That's pride. And it's, it's, it's okay, you know, to, you know, oh, no, 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 I'm okay, or let me get it, and, you know, and that's, that's a healthy, you know, kind of pride. But think about it. It's your pride not wanting to receive a blessing. And so by selling the Holy Spirit, I mean, he says, power, don't leave. When you get this, man, I promise you, you're going to get the mission done. But we go, no, I'm cool. No, 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 no. That's pride. Because when we read about the Holy Spirit, we hear about other people's experiences, we go, I, I don't know, I don't know. But the Bible tells us not to be ignorant, to understand it so that when you receive it, and I tell you what, it took a lot of humility for me to receive it because I felt weird. I thought I was copying what I was hearing. And, and I tell you what, after I said, God, this is it, I don't care anymore, I'm going for it, and I received it, that changed everything. There was no turning back for me. And so there's something that is directly related to us being baptized in the Holy Spirit and then doing incredible things for God. And so I, I remember struggling in my Christian walk all the way up until this moment where I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Totally revolutionized my life. Anyway, okay, I'm done. I'm done on that part, okay? We're talking about eyewitness. Um, I, say I, me. I, say eyewitness. That implies that there's going to be action on your part. All right, so that's the name of our series, Eyewitness Faith in Action. And I realize we're all in different places when it comes to this. But we're all in this together. And, okay, and we're going to learn to get stronger, we're going to get more confident, and we're, we're going to advance the kingdom. Because that is the mission God has for us. You realize we are in the last chapter. This is it. Um, Pastor Jim LaFoon shared a word. I'll just share this real quick. He believes that this is the final stretch. Um, when you look at the world and the things that are going on, it's almost like, man, Jesus, you are right around the corner. But you know what that means for us? It means we don't have much time left. And so where people go, oh, man, I'm just ready to go to heaven, man. Jesus, take me now. I'm going, no, 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 no. I got family members who aren't saved. Jesus, don't come yet. It creates an urgency. So this is what this is all about. All right, so Jesus tells us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the promise is a package deal. You get the Holy Spirit, but you also get a bonus, and it's his power. It's his power. Power to what? Power to be a witness. Power uh, to, to witness means to share outwardly. It means to testify of something true. And so when we say that I'm going to be a witness, we're, it's, it's proof to the world that God has changed me, that God has done something in my life. So when you testify to something that is proved, something that is true, all you're saying is, this is what God has done for me. I don't know about you. And when I first got saved, that's all I knew how to do because I didn't know the Bible. I didn't even know how to pray. And people would look at my lifestyle before and my lifestyle, and I'd go, Jesus, that's testifying. But there was a witness on their part as well. And so what we want more than anything, what I think God wants and the Holy Spirit wants more than anything, is that as we walk this faith, remember walk by faith? As we do that, people can already tell, yep, he's one of those. Yep, she's a Christian. Oh, he's a born, one of those born-agains. 
right? People should be able to tell right away. So, uh, a fun fact about myself, in addition to the uh, sports casting, which was very fun. How many here have a green thumb? You, you like plants, maybe you have a garden, maybe you have some herbs on your counter. Is that anybody here? Come on, anybody? Okay, I, we saw a couple of hands. They're like, they're like, okay. So I'm kind of like that. I enjoy, I enjoy plants and planting. When I lived in Guam, I had every fruit tree you could think of almost. But one of the things that I loved, and I kind of turned into a side gig, was I would grow what they call boonie peppers. They're wild peppers that grow in Guam, and they grow all over the jungle. Well, I planted a whole bunch, uh, and I actually bottled my own hot sauce. So I don't know if you, and this was actually my sauce, and so I would sell it, and I had customers, I had return people, you know, so it was kind of cool. But you know what I noticed? That I had to constantly scatter seed. And I would notice that when I would run um, low on peppers, you know, it was, it was a cycle. You plant seed, then you wait, you let it grow, and then you harvest. And so I want to show you um, a little bit of the harvest. Now, 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 prophetically, prophetically, I already know what you guys are thinking. I already know what you guys are thinking prophetically. It has nothing to do with your, with your response to this picture. But you're thinking, who is that skinny guy? And I promise you that's me. Just look at the snaggle tooth. It's there. But I would harvest these peppers and I would have a bunch of them. But you know what? I would have to open some of those and dry them out and replant them. Because if I didn't, I had no harvest. Say scatter seed. We're going to get to this in a moment. But I want to talk to you about the principles of harvest, and I'm going to try to get through this really fast because I want to do something here at the end, and I know I said that before and didn't get to do it, so I'm, I'm on a mission to do that. But when you hear the word harvest, most of us automatically um, think of a farmer or a farm or a field, right? Because harvest is an agricultural term. It, it speaks of planting and growing and we're here in the month of August, and we're approaching fall in the autumn season. And how many know here in North America, that is the time to harvest. You, in the spring, when everything warmed up, they planted seed. Over the summer, things grew, started to bear fruit. By the end of the summer and into the fall, that fruit is ripe and ready to be picked. And so how many of you go out and buy um, pumpkins around this time of year? September, October, anybody? Yeah, me either. Okay, that didn't work. Um, but my, my neighbor directly behind me, he has an apple tree, and I could see those apples forming. And he told me, he said, hey, don't be shy. You could reach over and just grab those apples because there are too many. It's, I, can't, I can't consume them all. I can't give them all away. Just reach over and grab them. And so you can see it's that season where we're coming into a, a harvest time. But what's interesting to me is that the verse that we just read the promise that, that God said, wait for, and it's crazy because when you think about the disciples, I mean, when you think about the way they had, what, what waiting meant for them. Imagine they walked with Jesus for three years. They were encouraged and blessed by everything that he did. They were encouraged and blessed by everything he allowed them to do. 
and then they watch him get tortured, and then he dies, okay? And then he's resurrected. Wow, <laughs> Jesus, man, I knew, I knew you were going to come back, right? And they have all this faith in him again. And then he's with them for 40 days, the Bible says. He's with them for 40 days, and he says, but I must go. I must leave you. And imagine how heartbroken they, they are again. And then Jesus leaves, and he says, wait. And so for 10 days, 10 days they wait without their Savior. They're hiding. So waiting for them meant being scared. Waiting for them meant being confused. Waiting for them meant being disappointed. Maybe a lack of trust. Can you imagine? I mean, everything they've been through, that's, that's what they're feeling. And how many of you have ever felt that way? And so when Jesus says to wait, sometimes waiting is good because waiting draws us closer to God. And that's the goal. And when you read the Bible, every time there was waiting, there was always prayer involved. So it's not like, you know, we, we just wait. No, 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 no. You wait and you pray. And that's what the disciples did when, when the Holy Spirit was uh, poured out. You know, when Paul and Silas were in jail, it says they were praying and praising. And, and while they were waiting to be released and, the, and the, the chains fell off and the doors opened. So what do we do while we're waiting? It's we draw close to God and we pray throughout. It's not like God said he's going to give me this, so that's it. I don't have to pray anymore. I know people like that. No, God said it. I believe it. I'm like, okay, but no, we pray. We pray throughout. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, speaking of the Holy Spirit, notice it says the Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing wind. It doesn't say he's a mighty rushing wind. Okay, sometimes we get that wrong, and sometimes we use that to our advantage. Oh, mighty rushing wind, and we go, right? And it's like, no, no, the Holy Spirit's like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this chapter one, and then when chapter two arrives, the Holy Spirit's poured out. This is pivotal. One of the uh, most pivotal uh, scriptures in all the Bible. Because everything that we've known up until then, even the Jewish people, even the, you know, what we know as church, up until then, changed. The church was birthed, and again, like I said earlier, it, it was kind of the template that we still follow today. So we worship, we fellowship, we break bread, we pray, we read the Bible, and this was the early church, and it all started in this verse that we're reading right now. So after the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the, li the lives of the disciples were already turned upside down from Jesus, and then they end up here, and it's, it gets turned upside down even more. Um, Peter, who denied Jesus three times. Remember, we don't have time to go through all those stories. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preaches 2,000 people are saved, and, and the church is birthed. After this moment, when the Holy Spirit shows up, 2,000 are added, the church is born, and, and we're still here today. Now think about how important this is. God chose to birth the church 
at a time of Pentecost. Now, when you think about God, God does not need a watch. You realize that. Because we live in something called time. God lives outside of what we know as time. Matter of fact, he controls it. But what's crazy is how impeccable his timing is. How many of you ever had to wait for something? How many of you have ever had to wait for someone? There's going to be some interesting talk after, after church on the way home, huh? But how many make reservations? After COVID, everything's reservations. And it's like you have to hurry up and wait, right? So you make reservations at 6.30, and you hurry up, and you rush to get out the door to get to the restaurant at 6.30, and then what? You wait, right? So here's a secret about me. I hate waiting. (laughs) I hate waiting, and I know I'm not the only one. And so that's one of the principles of harvest. But the significance of Pentecost, which was an agricultural holiday, to think that God's timing, Jesus uh, died on Passover. Uh, He was dead for three days resurrected, was together with them for 40 days, um, ascended into heaven. Ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, the church is birthed, um, and the Holy Spirit is, is cut loose to help the church. How many know God is never late? And God is always on time. So when it comes to waiting... How many of you are waiting on, on one of God's promises in your life? Maybe, it's a, maybe you're waiting on a promise for your health. Maybe you're waiting on a promise for one of your children. Maybe you're waiting on a promise that's, that's financial. And what do we do while we're waiting for the promise? We already said we pray. But, uh, you know, when you think about um, uh, the, the scripture, love the Lord, What's the greatest commandment? Lord, love the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, there's some deeper um, meaning to that. And it's not just the way we act and treat others, but it's the way we grow. And so where we're supposed to be when we wait for God is not a physical place. It's a spiritual and it's a relational place. It's, as we're waiting on God, You wait in relation to him, and you wait in relation to his people. And if you notice, people who lose hope are the ones who don't wait in God's presence. And the ones who don't wait with God's people, they disappear. And, you know, the Bible talks about backsliding, and and then the promise never happens. And so there's something valuable in waiting. And Jesus told the disciples, Wait until, say until. We don't like that. But I promise you, according to God's plan, it just works. It just works. My second point, and and I have to explain because when it comes to planting, you usually, number two usually comes first. Uh, Like I said, you kind of scatter seed and then, and then before harvest, there's a waiting period. Those, those peppers don't just pop out the next day. You know what I'm saying? And you kind of have to wait. You see the flowers, then you see the fruit come out. But because of the, 
the main the flagship scripture that we started off with. I, I just kind of did it backwards, but anyway, I thought I'd explain that. So, um, so first point is waiting. When it comes to uh, agricultural and planting, there's something valuable in waiting. And then, obviously, something that is needed is planting or what we call scattering. The Bible talks about scattering seed. Um, Mark 4.26 through 29 says this. And he said, the kingdom of God as, uh, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. We're going to get into this. The earth produces by itself. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So here's another time where Jesus is speaking. And once again, it's, it's agricultural language. It's, it's, it's planting language. And so he starts this off. If, you go, if we go back to verse 26, four words. The kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. And the reason why he starts this is because this is referring to his plan, which in the beginning we said all of us are involved. Whether we like it or not, whether you realize it or not, it's a privilege that God would include me and I have no reason why he would want me, but that I get to be a part of something so much bigger than I am. Everyone works the land. And so by using these examples back in those times with the, um, at that time with the Jewish people, every, everybody worked the land. And so by using this language, everybody knows what Jesus is talking about, right? But what I want to make clear here is that not only is it a privilege, but it is a responsibility. If you have been born again, if you have received God's mercy and received his grace, then you have a responsibility to participate in what God has given you. We need to give that back to other people. In DJ, as he was leading worship this morning, you know, he talked about our response to receiving God's love is to love. Our response to receiving God's grace is to be gracious. It was, I mean, this, this message was prepared all the way back into the worship set. And so we have a responsibility. It's not a professional responsibility. If, if you're like me, the, the goal is to get my friends and family to church so the pastor can give the message and pull the nets and get them saved. How many are with me? Come on, just be, let's be, we're being honest today. We're, you know, it's okay to tell on ourselves. And we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm telling you, God is bringing this church places. God's got, God's got something specific for this church. God's gonna do amazing things out of this church. It's just the beginning. One location. <laughs> One service. 
How many believe it? Come on. It's not a professional responsibility. It's the sole responsibility of the believer. If you have received, you give. Uh, Let me just say this before I go to the last point. And that's this. As a believer in Christ, there should be a weightiness. There should be a weight. A responsibility. You should feel it. How many feel it? How many have had an open door and you're like, man, I should really say something, but you didn't. You felt the weight. Yeah? Okay, I've been there. As a pastor, I've been there. I'm admitting to you. But Ephesians 4 Uh, We won't read it, uh, so Zion, don't freak out if you don't see it. Uh, Our tech team is awesome, but I didn't prepare you for this. But Ephesians 4, we know this. It says that the leaders equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Here in the Western church, we believe that God equips the leaders for the work of ministry and the rest just show up to church, but it's backwards. And so... I'll just say this, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. This is kind of paradoxical, but think about this. <laughs> As I say, don't overthink it. But think about this. <laughs> Can we edit that part? Anyway. Your sole responsibility is to scatter. Your, your responsibility is not to control the soil. Your other responsibility is not to bring the increase. Scatter. Say scatter. You can do that with your eyes closed. Scatter. The Bible tells us very clear. Some will fall on rocky soil. Some will get choked out by weeds. That's not your responsibility. God is saying, you you do and I will do also. The Lord brings the increase. God is responsible for the soil. And the more you share, the more opportunity for seeds to sprout. As we were heading into this um, series uh, this morning, and we were huddling up as leaders, we meet before the service and kind of run through the way things are going to go. And Pastor Matt began to pray that the seeds would be scattered and begin to break, uh, break ground and take root and go deep. That's what I'm praying for, that out of this church, seed will go crazy all over the place and then we'll start to see the lost come in. Amen? Last verse. Luke 10, 1, and, uh, 1 through 12. This one's a little bit long. Uh, so the last point is uh, the principle of harvest is harvesting. After you've scattered, after you've waited, the verse we read before this says, The land brings the crop, and you know not how. So when you think about this, as natural as the seasons are, as natural as the seasons that we're in, how many are appreciating the a little bit cooler weather? Well, you know, it should be happening kind of about now. It might be a little early, but, but that's the way God set it up. It's natural. It just happens. We don't control that. God does. In the same way, you scatter seed, and you see what God does. That's it. That's it. It says in Luke chapter 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him 
two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is what? The harvest is what? It is plentiful. Let me just say this. We need to just change our mindset a little bit. A little bit. Plentiful, but the laborers are are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, I'm going to make a quick point here. Carry no money bag, no knapsack. How many are encouraged so far? No sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, uh, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say uh, to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. As you scatter seed, as you send forth your, your message, the, God's word, God's gospel, your testimony, every time you do that, the kingdom of God gets closer. The kingdom of God gets closer. Verse 12, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, let me just kind of, something that kind of occurs to me here is this principle of sowing. Now, you think that when you read this verse, you, you know, when we go out and we share with people, we think, okay, they need help, right? They're lost. They need to hear God's word. But when you read this, <laughs> uh, it says, um, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That, Jesus is talking to us. Okay, who, who's needing help here? Now think about this. We think that the people we're sharing with need help, right? But when you think about it, what this is saying is we need God just as much as they do. And if we're going to get this job done, look where he's sending us. <laughs> as lambs to wolves, uh, take no money. Okay, this is, okay, this is, I'm not saying that everybody's going to be, this is your assignment, okay? Don't, don't, there's more explanation to this, we just don't have time. But when you talk about a relationship that is kind of symbiotic, it's, us going in the power of God, but also needing him at the same time. It keeps us humble, and it keeps us right. And how many of you have ever gone out to bless somebody, and then when it's all done, you come back, and you're like, wow, that was awesome, and you came back blessed yourself. This is just the way God works. Not only do they need help, you need help. Not only do they get blessed, you get blessed. And that's, that's just, God is just awesome like that. I'll share this last story. Um, our president, Pastor Steve Merle, he said that, um, you know, he also does some planting at his house. 
and uh, he was away. This was in his most recent uh, message uh, to, to, the, to the pastors in every nation. And so he was saying that he was gone for a few weeks. He came back and, you know, and his fruit trees and his garden was ransacked by predators. And he said deer would come into the yards, and so they put nets over the plants so that the deer couldn't eat them. You know, and then he said there were um, chipmunks who would uh, circumvent the, the protective, whatever it was, and they would dig underneath and pop up and eat the fruit and the vegetables, you know. And then besides that, he said there were these uh, fluorescent green caterpillars that would eat the leaves and the fruit and, you know, try to kill the tree. But he said of all the predators, of all the predators who attacked and ruined his garden and his fruit trees, the worst predators were his grandkids. And so his grandkids would go out in the backyard and they would, they would pull on these fruits and they would eat them. And he's, uh, his grands, one of his grandsons is named George. And he said he is the worst offender. <laughs> and the reason why is because in his mind, everything is ready for harvest. It doesn't matter if the fruit is green or black or just no color at all. To him, it is ready for harvest. And so as he was delivering uh, this message, I believe is to our, to our campus um, our campus ministers uh, here in North America. His message was this, and as I say, you know, we need to kind of switch the way we think. His message was this, harvest now. Regardless of what you think the fruit looks like, harvest like George, his grandson, and just go out and start. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Be like George and go get the harvest because it's out there. Amen. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for this next series that we've just started. And thank you, God, that you are going to do some amazing things through us. Father, I pray for divine appointments. Father, I pray for, for uh, uh, anointed phone calls and anointed texts and anointed emails that are going to link us up with people. And Father, where there is an opportunity Father, I thank you. We're going to dare to just say something, scatter that seed, and then back off so that you can do your work. Lord, bring growth to this house. Bring growth to us uh, individually. Uh, growth to this church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.